Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc slash soap. Today we are in 1 Chronicles 10. Before we do that, let me pray and then we'll read and we'll jump in. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that we can gather this morning um, bright and early and just begin by looking into your word. And Father, we pray that you would um, just grant us insights, that you would give us um, just new challenges today. And Father, we pray as we read your word that we would be changed, that our lives would be transformed into um, people who serve you, people who follow you, and people who listen to your voice. So, Father, we just give this time to you now, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I'm going to, my friend Nicole's going to read for us. It's not a very long chapter, but there's lots to be learned. So whenever you're ready, Nicole. Okay. Uh, Thanks for the short chapter this time. With not a lot of names in it. <laughs> uh, so we are in First Chronicles 10. I'm reading out of the NIV version, um, starting first one. Now the Philistine fought, Philistines fought against Israel. The Israelites fled before them, and many fell dead on Mount Gaboa. The Philistines were in hot pursuit of Saul and his sons, and they killed his sons, Jonathan, Abinadab, and Malchishua. The fighting grew fierce around Saul, and when the archers took him, overtook him, they wounded him. Saul said to his armor bearer, draw your sword and run me through, or these uncircumcised fellows will come and abuse me. But his armor bearer was terrified and would not do it. So Saul took his own sword and fell on it. When the armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he too fell on his sword and died. So Saul and his three sons died, and all his house died together. When all the Israelites in the valley saw that the army had fled and that Saul and his sons had died, they abandoned their towns and fled, and the Philistines came and occupied them. The next day, when the Philistines came to strip the dead, they found Saul and his sons fallen on Malkaboa. They stripped him and took his head and his armor and sent messengers throughout the land of of the Philistines to proclaim the news among their idols and their people. They put his armor in the temple of their gods and hung up his head in the temple of Dagon. When all the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead heard of what the Philistines had done to Saul, all their valiant men went and took the bodies of Saul and his sons and brought them to Jabesh. Then they buried their bones under the great tree in Jabesh, and they fasted seven days. Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. He did not keep the word of the Lord and even consulted a medium for guidance and did not inquire of the Lord. So the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to David, son of Jesse. Thank you, Nicole. You're welcome. So um, let's just do a brief. So you're probably wondering why we're starting in First Chronicles 10. Um, if you had a look at First Chronicles 1 through 9, you'll see it is primarily a genealogy and a list of tribes and the history of Israel. And it's a very important set of books, 1 through 9, as it provides 
background info on the royal line of David, because we're now getting into the line of David that's coming up after Saul. So First Chronicles 1 through 9 covers several thousand years of history. As we get into 10, we begin to see the accession of David as king. So that's a little bit of background. It's commonly thought that Ezra is one of the people that wrote Chronicles and possibly some other um, of his followers that worked with him. So that's a little bit of the background. Um, let me give you a little bit of a summary of the first nine chapters, because even though it's a genealogy, um, there are things that that those genealogies can teach us. So let me just scroll down a little bit. All right, so the first thing that we can learn from those first nine chapters is the historical record, right? So it provides a historical record of the descendants of Adam, you know, who were the fathers, the patriarchs, the 12 tribes, and it helps us trace the lineage of some key figures and families um, in Israelite history. So it gives us a sense of continuity and identity. Um, the second thing it does, it allows, um, it gives us uh, tribal inheritance, right? So these genealogies were crucial for families um, determining the tribal and family inheritance rights in ancient Israel. So this was how they knew what was due to them, what was rightful ownership of land, etc. Um, there's also spiritual significance. So these ge genealogies, they highlight the covenant between God and the descendants of Abraham, right, that has been going on for hundreds and thousands of years. So it's emphasizing that uh, the fulfillment of God's promises and the importance of David's line as it leads up to the birth of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Okay, so um, priestly lineage. So within the genealogies, the lineage of the Levitical peace, priest is carefully documented, right? So this was crucial for them to know who was eligible to be priests who would serve in the tabernacle or the temple. And then... Um, it also gives information about uh, restoration and return. So after the Babylonian exile, um, these records were essential for the restoration of the nation of Israel. So they helped identify those who were eligible to return to the land to serve in the temple and fulfill the different outline roles that were there. And um, finally, you know, the genealogies served to unite the Israelite people by reminding them that of their shared history and identity. So it's reminding them and us that they were part of a larger community, and so are we, right? So that's a quick synopsis of what we can learn from the first nine chapters. Let us jump into chapter 10 that we just read. So um, <laughs> chapter 10 primarily focuses on the death of Saul and his sons and the consequences of the actions Right, if we read verse 13 again, it says, um, let me just go back to 10. Verse 13 says, Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. He did not keep the word of the Lord and even consulted a medium for guidance. That's it right there, right? When we choose not to follow God, bad things happen, done. <laughs> but there's more to it than that. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about um, this chapter. So, 
We notice the Philistines are some of the key characters here. Now, a little bit about the Philistines. Um, they are immigrant people from the island of Crete. Um, Amos 9.7 talks about that. And a couple of things we know about them is they were some of the first people to effectively use iron. So that gave them the military edge. Um, they were a seafaring people. And because of that, they traded with distant lands. So they imported military technology uh, from the Greeks. And this made them a powerful enemy to the people of Israel. So that's a little bit about the Philistines. That's why they had a military edge at some times. And they were formidable opponents. Okay, so let's jump into what are some of the key things we can learn from this chapter. So the first thing is um, remembering the past, right? So Chronicles is known for its historical perspective. And um, here we look at the death of Saul and his sons, and it's a significant event in the history of Israel because um, it's reminding us of consequences of the actions and the importance of looking back at the past, right? Now, here's, here's something I always say to people. We all have things in our past, right? We all have mistakes we've made. We've all had we have things that we're not proud of. Just remember that the past doesn't define us, it informs our future, right? Mistakes happen, but when we learn from those things, we gain wisdom. So there's two ways we can look at our past. Are we learning from our mistakes and gaining wisdom? Or are we doing the same things over and over again? I'm hoping that we're learning from our mistakes and gaining wisdom. So the second thing we learn from this chapter is the consequences of disobedience, right? So it begins with Saul's defeat um, in this battle. And the defeat is seen as a consequence of Saul's disobedience to God's commands. And it's a reminder to us that disobedience to God can lead to consequences, right, in all of our lives. Um, I like to talk of speak of this as when we make choices that's outside of God's plan for us, we choose to live outside of the path of blessing that he has for us, right? So remember years back, people used to talk about the wide path and the narrow path. You've got to follow the narrow path because it's, it's narrow, but it's harder, but it's also the path of blessing, right? So when we walk in God's way, create boundaries for ourselves that allow us to walk in the plans he has for us. Okay, the third thing um, that we can learn from this chapter is essentially the loss of leadership, right? So um, Saul's death uh, marked the end of his reign as the first king of Israel. Now that's important. And in the transition of leadership, we see the importance of wise and obedient leadership and how it just didn't just impact him and his family, it, it impacted the entire nation, right? So verse 7, it says, When all the Israelites in the valley saw that the army had fled, and that Saul and his sons had died, they abandoned their towns and fled. And the Philistines came and occupied them. So as a result of his disobedience, 
Not only did he he die, but the whole nation was put at stake, right? The Philistines came in, um, occupied towns, not a good situation for them. So leadership is a key um, concept for us even today, right? God is calling for strong leaders to help us not only... um, not only to survive, but to help us um, keep spreading God's word, right? Because we need leaders. We need people like you and I to actually um, be the salt and light, to preserve the faith that we have. Now, it goes on to say, um, well, when the leader was struck, right, what happened? It spread panic amongst God's people. Now, if we look at Jesus' life, we see some similar things, right? So um, Jesus knew that the same principle would be used against his disciples. In Mark 14, 27, so then Jesus said to all of them, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. So remember how some of the disciples denied him that night? And this is a common thought, right? So when the, what happens when the shepherd is struck while well, the sheep scatter, right? That happened to the people of Israel. That can, that happened on this night um, when Jesus was taken, you know, and throughout this period of his death and resurrection. And so it's important for us to have um, not just one leader, but leadership succession, right? So after Saul, Came David. Now, David was a different type of leader to Saul because he was someone who sought God's heart. Now, let's take a moment and just talk about what makes a leader wise. Well, not doing what Saul did, right? Because he did not listen to the Lord. He consulted mediums, right? He was not focused on following God with all his heart. So a wise leader listens to God and is not influenced by the other voices around us. I remember Pastor Brendan's sermon yesterday about the voices, right? We have to listen to the one voice, right? That one voice is God speaking through the Holy Spirit to us. And we have to learn to block out all the other voices, right? The voices of um, self-image, self-worth, self-gain, whatever it is, all the voices around us, we have to learn to block those out. And the way we do that is by learning to hear God's voice first. So a wise leader listens to God's voice. The second thing is a wise leader listens to wise counsel, right? So who is wise counsel? Well, it's other people who listen to God's voice, right? So as I look at the screen, I see lots of wise counsel, right? I see... um, uh, elders, Bob, and um, company. So these are all people, you know, people that I trust because I know they listen to God's voice. Um, the third thing that makes a leader wise is prayer, right? Is coming to God and spending time not only um, speaking to God, but listening, right? So a big part of prayer is listening to God and creating space for God to speak to us. Um, verse 12 talks about the valiant man 
It says, all the valiant men went and took the bodies of Saul and his sons and brought them to Jabesh. And they buried their bones under the great tree and they fasted seven days. So I would say that the valiant men were people that listened to God's voice. These were people that were leaders. And in a time of disgrace and loss and tragedy, God still had valiant men right to do his work. So even though, even though Saul and his sons died, um, God still had people that he would raise up. God always has his valiant men, right? So when one servant passes the scene, another arises to take his place. If Saul is gone, God raises up a David, right? So if the army of Israel is defeated, God still has valiant men. God's, and the point is God's work is bigger than any one man or any group of people. And we can look at um, history, you know, through the Bible for the last hundreds and thousands of years. God's plan is still there. God's plan is still true. And people have come and gone, but God has been that one consistent thing you know, through Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit. So God's work is bigger than any one man or any group of people. So this is an important thing when we think about um, um, what does Pastor Brandon always say? He says, this is not my church, this is God's church, right? So it's important to recognize that it's God's work and not our work, because if we think that we are so important, um, we can be gone like in a, in a snap of the fingers, just like Saul was there one day and the next day he's gone. So it's important for us to recognize things like succession if you're a leader who is the person that god wants you to invest in all right how are we building the kingdom of god by recognizing that it's bigger than than we are right it's going to take all of us to fulfill god's plan for his people okay the next thing that i wrote down that we could learn from this chapter is that God is sovereign, right? And we kind of spoke about that now. But it highlights God's sovereignty over the affairs of individuals and nations. Right? God's purpose, God's will and purposes will ultimately prevail, even in the face of human disobedience and failures. And we see that throughout history, throughout Saul's life. So if you think about this, um, there's two ways we can go about living our way, our lives, right? We can do things our own way, which typically leads to destruction like Saul, right? If we do things our own way, what's happened? What happens? Instead of going the direct path to what God wants for us, we'll do all these diversions, a little bit like a roller coaster ride. And if you're anything like me, I hate roller coasters. I don't want to go in all those diversions. I want to do things God's way because it's easier, it's better. So the way that happens is we don't listen to wise counsel, right? We are not connected to God. We're not connected to his word. Essentially, we do things our own way. And um, think about it. When we choose to make poor choices, Let's say, for example, it's in um, uh, food. 
you know, let's say our doctor says, hey, um, you have a problem with sugar. Um, don't eat so much sugar. It's bad for you. Your sugar level is going to go up. You're going to become diabetic, whatever it is. When we choose to ignore him and still do that, what happens? Well, we get sick, right? But the thing that we're saying is that we value that thing, the action or the sin, more than what God did for us through giving us his son Jesus, right? So when we choose to make poor choices, we say, I value this thing more than what you did for me. And that's a scary place to be. So think about that as you consider how you want to live your life, right? Do I want to be connected to God, his word, his people, his counsel? Or do I want, do I want to do things my own way and kind of struggle through life and then reap the consequences just like Saul did? So alternatively, as we just said, the other way is seeking God's wisdom in every decision, right? Seeking him through his word, through a wise counsel, through prayer, right? Those are the things that are going to help us um, live a life that's going to be closer to what God wants for us and his plans for us. Okay. Um, next thing we can learn from this chapter is about repentance and redemption. So while the chapter primarily primarily focus on the tragic end of Saul and his sons, it also sets the stage for the eventual rise of David, right, as the future king of Israel. So if we look at David's reign, which in the next few weeks or next, yeah, next couple of chapters will be covered, David's reign is characterized by what repentance a desire to follow God God's commands and his life shows us shows us that there's always room for redemption and restoration in God's plan so it doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter where you've been and if you're going to listen to this um, at some other time and there's something going on in your life you need to recognize that there's always room for redemption and restoration in God's plan why because he sent his only son, Jesus, died on the cross, right, who was resurrected on the third day and now lives in heaven, right, and he's gone to prepare a place for, for all of us. So redemption and restoration is God's plan for us. There's nothing that can separate us from that love that God has for us. So your past does not define you. The only thing that defines you is the decisions you make today to follow Jesus with all of your heart, right? So there's always redemption and restoration for us. Okay. So you notice how God's word tends to always push us back to the person of Jesus, right? So there's failure, but there's always the opportunity for restoration. And that's why I love God's word is that even though this chapter is about a lot of death, it's saying that, hey, don't be like this. Learn from Saul. You know, be faithful in turning to the Lord, turning to his word. And ultimately, we can live lives you know, that are blessed, lives that are purposeful, lives that are making a difference for the kingdom. Um, so in summary, right? So First Chronicles 10 
teaches us about the consequences of disobedience, the importance of seeking God's guidance, right? The significance of leadership, leadership matters, and the need to remember the past. Why? Because it informs our, it informs our future. We learn from the past. It also reminds us that God is sovereign and the potential for repentance and redemption in everyone's faith journey is always there, right? So that's pretty much all I have for you today. Um, this was a shorter chapter, but it was a lot to be learned. Um, let's remember, let's be reminded, if you haven't listened to um, the messages in um, this last series that Pastor Brendan's been preaching, um, especially the one on listening to God's voice, um, I challenge you to do that. Because it's only when we learn to hear God's voice that we are protected from the schemes of the enemy, right? From those things that want to derail us and ultimately destroy us like Saul and his sons were destroyed. So let me pray for you guys and we'll wrap this up. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you that um, through your word, Father, you inform us about incredible plan that you've always had for us, the incredible love and covenant that you've had with your people for thousands of years. Father, we thank you that we have Jesus Christ, we have the Holy Spirit, Father, that we can turn to you, that we can be inspired by you, that we can be directed by your word. Father, we thank you for the lessons that we are learning from each chapter. Father, we pray that you would make these things um just be on the forefront of our minds as we go about our days, as we go about our weeks. Father, that we would seek you in everything you do. Father, that we would be the ones that would carry your word and your love to those around us. Father, I pray for each one today that um, as they go about their day, whatever they might do in their workplace, at home, um, wherever people are listening today and in the future, Father, that you would inspire us to be your hands and feet, that we would make you known by the things we do, by the wise choices we make. So, Father, if there's someone today who needs to um, make a, a wise decision to stop something or start something, Father, I pray that you would give them the um, just the courage to make that choice, the courage to um, possibly change entire lineage, um, maybe for generations, maybe to break generational curses today. Father, I pray for the boldness to do that. I pray that your Holy Spirit would just inspire. And Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for everything that you do for us. I pray a blessing in each one, and we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day.